All right, everyone, we are live on Beyond the Woodline. I am Joe DeHoyos, and uh, my trusty sidekick, Shannon, apparently is having issues. Um, she's having, there you go. Hey, go, give Shannon. me a second. Sorry, I'm trying to get the to work. Oh, you're good. You're good. We just, we just went live. I was like uh, trying to wait for you. I was like, I can get the show on the road. And, I'm uh, sorry. We got storms going on right now, so be patient with my connection. Ah, you're good. You're good. We're just gonna we're, we're gonna roll with it. Whatever happens, we're gonna let it go, and uh, we'll we'll make it work. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be issues or any problems with that. So, what you been up to, Shannon? Uh, doing myself, just having fun, just being me. I'm, I'm kind of you know I've taken a break for a little bit and regrouped, and now I'm right. ready to go back at it. I'm ready to do some more investigations. So. Okay. Cool. Uh, do you have anything planned coming up or? Yeah, we got the uh, the Temple Fear Fest Paracon. It's going to be September 24th and 25th in Salina, Kansas. We got that coming up and I've got a couple documentaries I'm working on. So yeah, looking forward to some good things coming. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I went out, what, two weeks ago and then uh, they had another little outing this weekend, but I wasn't able to go. But I'm going to try to get out there again, at least uh, after we come back from our little trip in September, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to come back uh, October, Chelsea. maybe November. Hey, Chelsea. So cool. So everyone knows uh, Shannon, and we also have our very special guest today. It's author uh, Michelle Noonberg. How you doing, Michelle? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing Hello. great, Shannon. This is Michelle. <laughs> Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I'm so yeah, so stuck in a storm. Yes, uh, we have a very bad storm going over right now. And, you know, I I have a camper. I got rid of the four-bedroom house. I got a camper, and I'm enjoying that life. But part of that is, you know, when you got storms and everything, it kind of messes up your Wi-Fi, your reception, and everything. So we're going to wing it and see how this goes. Yeah. yeah, I'm not far from the fires up in Northern California. And so I was oh. telling Joe earlier, if I just disappear, it's because the power went out. So please forgive me <laughs> in advance. So um, Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, hey. no problem. Yeah, yeah, you Glad know. To have well, you. Yeah, you know, we, we've had a chance to talk uh, on the phone the other night, and uh, yeah, you had some pretty interesting stuff. And first of all, I mean, your book. Yeah, you were telling me about your books. It's a three part, right? That's what you were it's saying. It's a three part book. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's you know that's pretty cool in itself. Being able to write yeah. a, a, a three part book like that. Uh, uh, you know, not a, a lot of people can actually do that. You know, it's, I'm sure it's difficult. And you talked about, you know, your fires going on and being able to uh, really focus. Um, you want to start off telling us about your book or, you know, and how that got started? Well, um, at one point in my life, I lived in a little town called Virginia City, Nevada. And it's been on ghost hunters and it's been, it's pretty well known in the paranormal world. Uh, when I lived there, it wasn't that well known. It was just a nice little town to live in. And I went to work up there. It was a relatively safe place to raise my boys and get them out of the city of Los Angeles. And so I thought, oh, this would be fun. Not knowing much about what it was like to live in the country. Or, um, and ended up living in this old haunted hotel as a bartender and the apartment went with it. So it seemed like a great deal to me at the time. Um, it was called the Washoe Club. It's a millionaire. It was a millionaire's club in the 1800s, and I've heard of it. 
the you've heard of it? Yeah. So uh, yes, I was a bartender. Pardon me. I said yes, ma'am. Oh yeah, it's pretty well known. And um, so, but I was there when it wasn't as well known, and I just thought it would be a great fun place to be. It was, and then I would get customers from all over the world that would come into the bar and they'd sit down and. They would tell me stories about, I'd say, well, how, what brought you to Virginia City and why are you here? And they said that it was, they'd say it was the strangest thing when they came around the corner and saw the town tucked into the side of Mount Davidson, that they felt like they'd been there before. And they felt like they had um, lived there before and they knew it and they knew they were comfortable there. And so I started thinking about that and it was a common theme that I heard over and over and over again. So I started thinking about a what if, what if you had a group of very wealthy people in the 1800s that were involved in the paranormal. They played a lot of paranormal games in the 1800s. They went to seances and they did Ouija boards and all kinds of stuff to entertain themselves. It was entertainment. And so they, this group of people made a pact with one another to come back in a hundred years to prove that there was life after death. And they were all going to meet at the Washoe Club. So fast forward a hundred years later, the same group of people come back to the Washoe Club and they don't know who they are or why they're there or what motivated them, but they just know that they're there for a reason. So that's basically what happened to the book and where the story started. And it took me a while to write it, um, but it was sort of, I incorporated all of the paranormal events that happened to me when I lived there into the third part of the book, which is the seven, 1975 era time. I lived okay. there a little later, but that's the time I picked for the story. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so what kind of experiences did you have growing up? Growing up? Oh, gosh. Um, I had a lot of strange things happen to me growing up. I used to play with orbs because they were there not knowing that I had no idea they'd be bouncing around my my bedroom. Uh, that was always fun. Um, we had a lot of poltergeist type activity in a couple of the houses that my family and I lived in. It sort of became second nature for me to be around this kind of stuff. And I uh, didn't really think twice about it when I came to the Washer Club, except it was really intense when I got there. Uh, um, it didn't scare me when I was a child because it was just common. Have things bounce off the walls and cups tip <laughs> over by themselves. And, you know, you'd be trying to get ready to go to school and the toothbrush would start rising from the little toothbrush holder by itself. And basically it was like, knock this off. I got things to do. Get out of here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, what was your thought process at when all this started? When it's when I lived in Virginia City, right? Yeah, for the book. Uh, first, it, it was just a, a what if scenario in my mind that so many people okay. had the same common theme. A lot of paranormal things were happening to me in the hotel, and I got really interested in the history of the town. So, when I started doing research on my book, I uh, at one point. Excuse me. At one point, I was, I had done the character profiles because I just decided oh, I'm going to write this story. And I did the character profiles and 
I created a man named Peter Lancer, and I created a woman named Carolyn Martin Minot. And so fast forward five years, because I'm working and writing and going to school and doing all kinds of things, trying to be a decent writer. Um, I didn't want to write a book that I didn't know what I was doing in. So I was also going to taking college courses and doing that. I moved down to Las Vegas and I was living down there working for a hydrogeologist and doing the history exploration on the book at the same time. And I went into a used bookstore and a book literally fell off the top shelf of this bookstore in the history section and landed at my feet, uh, right hit my foot. And I thought, what the heck is that? And it was a big book and it was a book about Basque witchcraft in and it was a, let's see, it was a University of Nevada press book because at the University of Nevada, they study Basque history. So I thought to myself, this is really odd. I didn't even know they had Basque witches and they had auto defaze in, uh, at that time in the you know 1600s. And it was a textbook. So I thought, oh, what the heck, I'll take it. So I took it home and I poured myself a glass of wine and I opened up the book and the name of the primary prosecutor, his name was Pierre Dulancer. And I started going down the list of the names of the people he had persecuted. And one of them was a lady named Maria Martin. So at that point I shut the book and I didn't touch it for a year because it was just too weird to have the same characters names was very close to the characters that I had, I thought I had devised, I thought I had created, and my main bad guy was Peter Lancer. So Pierre de Lancer is awfully, is the same name. And then my heroine in the book, her name was Maria, Carolyn Maria, and um, Martin, and then that was the same name of the woman that he had persecuted. So I thought about it. I thought about the story and I thought about it. So I took the story back to the 1600s and I changed it a little bit and decided that the woman, Maria Martin, would curse Pierre de Lanceur as when he burned her at the stake and basically said, if I can't get you in this lifetime, I'll get you in my next lifetime. And so it's a reincarnation story. So okay. the people reincarnate to Virginia City in the 1800s, not knowing who they are, form this pact to come back in 100 years. And then in the 1975, they all come back again. But it's the same group of people that were involved in the auto de fe and that their life in the 1600s. So the book is in three parts, 1600s, 1800s, and then the 1900s. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Hey. Y'all give me one second, okay? It's storming pretty bad, and my son's in the room freaking out. So give me one moment. I apologize. Oh, you're good. So, you're good. One second. I'm sorry. <laughs> good. Yeah. Uh, so what about like uh, growing up for you and experiencing paranormal for the first time? You know what? What did you have anyone to talk to, or could you talk to anyone about that? Or no, my parents were really uh, open-minded about religion and. Um, they were sort of seekers in their own right. And so, but I didn't really talk about it. It was just sort of an accepted fact of, of life in the house. Nobody, nobody really discussed it. Right. They just didn't. And 
so I didn't say, oh, this is really scary, mom. You know, it just is part of life and you just dealt with it. So it's, it wasn't, uh, it did make me curious. And I was interested all throughout from the time. I think the first time I remember an experience was when I was about seven years old. And then it sort of built up. And every once in a while, I would, I sort of felt like I had a, a guardian, like a guardian angel or somebody that just would make sure I was okay. And that was always really pleasant. I saw him twice. Oh, really? And, and um, I, could, I felt like I could call on him if I was in danger. I lived downtown LA. So in the 65 to 70s, it wasn't all that safe there. So it wasn't a bad, it wasn't a bad thing okay. to have that awareness of that there is something else in the world and there's something else going on and it's just how you approach it and how you deal with it. It's nothing to be afraid of, but you have to be careful. Do you, you think he's still around? Careful. Whoever your guardian angel was or is, do you think he's yeah, still around? I, I'm, uh, I really haven't really touched base with him in a long time. So I'm sure he's here, but I really haven't uh, noticed him too much. Okay. Not in the last How'd few years. How'd you see years. him? Pretty Pardon me? How'd I see him? Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw him, I saw him in a mirror. I was a ballet dancer and I used to practice my ballet moves in my bedroom and I had this really nice mirror and I was doing my little ballet exercises. And usually when these things happen, you find that you're concentrating on something else and then they come out of the blue. If I was looking for him, I probably would have never seen him. So I just was doing my little ballet exercises and all of a sudden I saw him standing behind me, a full, a full body person and I knew who he was. So that was at 16, that was pretty good. What got you into the paranormal? I mean, was it that hotel? Is that what driven you to the, the, the paranormal field? Or it was plain curiosity because these things could happen, and why other people didn't think they were normal. You know, if I told yeah. my friends that I was bouncing around looking at orbs and playing with them, they'd say, "Well, that's not a normal thing to happen. You don't have orbs floating <laughs> around your house." And to me, it was normal. So the curiosity came because of the experiences that I had. And I wanted to sort of delve into it and find out more about it. Um, I did learn that you have to be really careful, especially with children around you. And that you have to be, you know, especially careful not to bring anything home with you. But it's even more frightening when you're living in the home that's totally involved, like the Washoe Club was. The Washoe Club was insane. I can relate. I can absolutely relate because I lived in a home for two years that was very, I mean, it was bad. I, I got thrown six foot out of a chair. My daughter got shoved 12 foot down a hallway. My kids no, were getting no. physically attacked. Yeah. So I can relate to that. I, it's, it's, I love investigating, but I don't want to live in it. I will not live at home That's and what, have that stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. You just have to be careful not to bring anything home with you. Yeah. And, and the it was there <laughs> with the children is make sure that you listen to them. I mean, if they tell mm -hmm. you that they see yeah. something, you know, don't don't go. Oh, it's not that didn't happen. It's your imagination, because kids are so much more aware than we are. Yeah. Right. And, you know, a, a lot of times when kids tell you stuff like that, they're not making it up. You know, they're not lying mm -hmm. to you, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, when the kid comes up with a crazy story like that out of the blue, it, they either have a very active imagination or they're actually telling you the truth. 
you know? Right. And most, most little kids aren't going to make up a, a lie like that, you know? And, and they're certainly not going to BS you, you know what I'm saying? No. And it is real yeah. to them. Even if it is right. imagination, it's still real to them. So my yeah, four-year-old's very, yeah, he picks up on a lot of stuff. I mean, he went to my mom and my, my great aunt's name was Jaxie, which is not a common name. And my son, like, walking there, he's like, you know, I'm playing with Jaxie. I was telling her about Jaxie and all kinds of stuff, and he kept bringing her name up. And my mom's like, because my mom was very close to my great aunt when growing up. And so my son's played with spirits. Oh, we lost her. Cut out. Oh, no. Yeah. And I'm having trouble on my end, too. But, yeah, oh, yeah. It, it was really, I mean, this child, I mean, I don't talk shop with him, you know, right. for what we do and everything. I really don't, but I'm there to listen to him and support him when he does say stuff to me i listen to him and i help nurture that without feeding into it you know what i mean right yeah boy that it's really pounding out there it's right in yeah i can hear it i can hear it i keep that's why i keep muting it so i'm not interrupted and having all the settings so i apologize for that and then i got mommy in the background in there he's having a meltdown your kid is always doing something on the show i know i'm just gonna gonna put him on the show i'm just gonna put him on the show uh, we need you to have need- uh, someone from CPS on here to. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, like when he came in that one time and he was like, I'm not happy. I'm sad. And I'm like, okay, you're making me look like a top notch mom right now. I appreciate it. So, yeah, she's having a hard time and I am in this end. Sometimes the elements just make it really hard to come on here right. and talk. Yeah, and she's that's- like a really interesting lady and I really want to talk some more with her. So, hopefully, we can get yeah. it figured out. and that's one of the bad things about doing live, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, when you when you do a, a recording, you can always go back and edit it and do stuff like that. But yeah, that. that's too much work. That's too much work. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, if I get big enough to do it, I'll I'll do start going, start doing recordings and editing and all that stuff. But for right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it like this. I'm excited, Joe, because we've got two booths at the Paracon. Yeah. Be on the Woodline booth, and then I'm going to have my booth, and we'll be bouncing around, and we're going to be, be a bunch of cool people there. We're going to have a good time. Yeah, and weekend. I was so one thing I was thinking about doing personally is, uh, of course, bringing a, a, a recorder and a mic, and maybe have people stop by, and we can do it's some. Uh, yeah. Well, not just live, but do some recordings, and then yeah. I'll edit that in and do like a special show. You know. I think that would be awesome. There she is. There she goes. All Bye. right. <laughs> Yeah, hey. I got a little power surge here too. So, okay. yeah. so just hey. I'll pop in and out if I can. Sorry about that. Okay, yeah, no, no problem. Uh, no Shannon talks talks a lot, so <laughs> a social <Yeah>. butterfly. <laughs> hey Michelle, why don't you read that uh, read that prologue to your book? Okay. Yeah, it's uh it's not too bad. It's about a page and a half and no, go hopefully ahead. the power won't go out, so let's go. Okay. It's a prologue, Virginia City, Nevada, spring 1976. I tried to ignore her, but she wouldn't let me. Visions, mist, books falling off the shelves commanded my attention. The building where she is trapped still stands, tilted and crumbling. The large space under the bedroom door, under the barroom door, sorry, allows the dust and debris from the boardwalk on C Street to blow into the wide planks of the floor. The hallways upstairs are piled high with old paint cans and broken furniture. The building is filled with litter. 
Some of the wood plank floors upstairs have been removed to reveal large cross timbers that have continued to support the proud building since they were torn from the old growth forest of Bigler Lake a hundred years ago. It as, it as if one quick kick would send the Washoe Club careening down the street, taking out the sister buildings like dominoes. It is here that she runs up the stairs, watches from the balcony, and gently touches the faces of unsuspecting bar patrons. At times, she slams doors and turns off lights, turns on water and breathes down tourist necks. She impatiently waits for a promise to be fulfilled and for her secrets to be discovered. I still remember the first night. The cloud mass had gathered, growing over the little mountain valley, rolling, deepening to a dark charcoal gray, abridging the distance of the heavens. Snow swirled high in the clouds. The tiny ghost town tucked into the Nevada mountains shuddered itself against the storm. The evening sky framed by the lavender light of dusk trapped me in a childhood snow globe. The wind pushed fiercely at the front of the old three-story brick building. Swirling, it formed small dervishes in the passages, sheltering the entrance to the bar. Shadows from the antique oil lamps danced on the high walls of the Washoe Club. The dusty prisms and colorful glass shades clinked loudly, threatening to break each time the heavy doors opened and slammed closed. Tiny snowdrifts pushed by the erratic gust of wind crept under the doors into the bar, fanning swiftly across the boot-polished hardwood floor, winter claiming its own. The last group of Washoe Bar customers tumbled out through the doors into the storm, their arms grabbing tightly around the columns that faced the old hotel. Warmed by too much whiskey and beer, they laughed as their hats took flight. Their coats billowed into sails, propelling them down this worn, uneven boardwalk toward the center of town. They were in search of another open bar, a conquest, oblivious to the wind and the cold. Across the street from the club, a solitary figure was leaning against a storefront window. He stood quietly studying the second floor of the Washoe Club. The wind whirred around him, deadening the sound of the laughter in life on C Street. One black boot heel rested on the window casing behind him, the other lost in the swirling snow. His long coat, his wide hat brim defied the wind. Both remained deadly still. He was sheltered in the storm by an invisible barrier. Smoke from his pipe lifted, curling softly around his face. There you go. So that was a prologue to Beltane on Sun Mountain. And um, one time I had a friend tell me that every hundred years a ghost will whisper in your ear that you have to tell my story. And so I really believe that I was motivated by um, someone to tell this story. And that's how come I ended up writing this book. So. Oh. Yeah, I, I, that was a very good prologue too. I, I liked it. It was very descriptive. You're gonna, you, you can definitely see how people can get drawn into something like that. So like if somebody wanted to get your books, where, where would they be able to do that? Um, you can get it on Amazon and it's called Beltane on Sun Mountain. And it's uh, Michelle Noonberg is the author. And so if you ever put Beltane on Sun Mountain or you put in my my name, you'll be able to uh, find it. And it's an ebook as well as a hard copy. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna be having a, um, a book signing and a lecture in on august 15th in virginia city at the old mackie mansion 
which is also oh. on Ghost Hunters. And we're going to have a after the book signing in the daytime and the lecture, then we're going to do an investigation that night. So that'll be oh, fun. that's good. Cool. Have you ever done investigations yourself? Oh, I have. I've done investigations <laughs> at the Washer Club. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I have. And they're sort of fun to do. But yeah. you know, some of the stuff that happened to me um, at the Washoe Club, the most striking thing that I really remember was one time we lived in a, there was a circular staircase at the end of the bar and you had to go through two sort of uh, doors that swung shut. They weren't locked. It was like swinging doors, but they were tall, not like the bar doors in the old cowboy movies, but these were tall doors. And at the back of that was a circular staircase that went up to my apartment. So when I have to, when I would close the bar at night, I'd shut the doors and I'd lock those two doors. And I would walk out the front of the bar. They had slot machines in the bar, so it had a lot of money in it. And I'd have to lock the great big doors, but I'd also have to chain them with the padlock and turn out the lights and do all the things that you do. And I'd go back up. So then you'd have to walk around the front of the bar room on C Street. You'd have to go one hill up to the back of the bar, of the building, and it was on B Street. So I'd have to walk back there, get into my apartment from the B Street entrance. And when I got in the house, my two sons were there. And the one boy was extremely sensitive and really doesn't even like to talk about this stuff. He um, told me, Mom, that song's playing again. And I went, that's impossible. There can't be any music coming from the bar because I unplugged the jukebox. And they went, no, no, no. You listen. Come here, listen. And I went, okay. So I went, and son of a gun, if it wasn't playing. And he said, it's playing that song again, the same song. And it was um, Hotel California by the Eagles. A weird song all by itself. So I uh, went, okay. Yeah. I really, I, I do hear it. I guess I was wrong and I must not have unplugged the jukebox. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go. So I traipsed back down the hill and around the corner, unlocked the bar, walked back in. And from the windows in the outside of the bar, I could see the jukebox was all lit up. And, and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't unplug it. It's, it's got to be normal. It's fine. You know, I, I'm losing my mind here. So I walked back there. And the jukebox is playing, the bar is totally dark, and I walk back there, and the plug is laying on the floor. That's pretty awesome. I hear about that happen, and I haven't had that happen, where things come on that aren't... Actually, yeah, I have. A TV, never mind. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, what's the scariest thing that you've ever... Yeah, I bet, yeah. Is that like... What's the scariest thing you've ever encountered when you were investigating or just living a normal life that happened to you? The shadow men just... are really scary. The shadow men are yeah. really scary. I don't like them. I they, think they I leer like a lot, them. yeah. Yeah, they just sort of creeped along the walls. And uh, and the mm -hmm. other thing that was sort of scary is when somebody called out my name. I was upstairs, and there was no one in there. There wasn't a soul in that building, a little big three-story building. And um, I went from room to room to check it to make sure no one was there. there in the, <laughs> they were getting ready to remodel it, and, and no one was living in it. And I was up on the third floor, and all of a sudden, I heard somebody say, "Well, hello, Michelle." Real oh. happy. And that's pretty Real personal happy. when they say your name. It's like, you know, yeah, they're they're directly communicating with you. Mm -hmm. And I went, and I just thought, "There's nobody here." I know there's nobody here. 
And so that was right. pretty creepy. Um, yeah, when they when they personalize it and they say your name, I don't really, I'm not real happy with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you traveled a lot around to other places and states and investigated? I mean, I haven't really investigated. I just, if I'm going to a town or a city, I usually sort of look it up, look up um, things. I, just recently, I was in San Francisco a few months ago, and I was in this little sort of a boutique hotel, nice little place, and went upstairs, went to bed, and was my sister was sharing a room with her, and all of a sudden it was tiny. And all of a sudden, the lights came on, bright light, and the whole room lit up. And I went, and I looked at my sister, and she was asleep. You know, there was nobody else in this tiny room at all. And I went, okay. So I got up, and I um, went and turned off the light, made sure that it was off, went back to bed. And it, as soon as I got settled, it came on again, as bright as could be. So then I... My sister, by this time, she woke up and she goes, what are you doing turning the light off and on? And I started laughing. I said, I'm not turning the light off and on. Somebody else is turning the light off and on. She goes, what are you talking about? So. You're definitely as sensitive then for things to be going on around you. And everything. I mean, do you have any like gifts besides, you know, orbs and all that stuff, anything that you, you know, proclaim or anything? Like, I mean, are you like a medium or are you just sensitive or an empath? Uh. I consider myself sensitive. Sensitive? Things just happen. Yeah, sensitive. Right. And you're connected. You, you acknowledge it. A lot of people. Yeah. Look, Shannon's having issues now. She just froze on us. Yeah. So I found yeah. out from the, the manager of the hotel that a, a little child had died and played around, and a lot of people can see her, but they don't really advertise it. Oh, okay. Okay. So, you know, yeah. Just like, Oh, don't worry about it. That's just so-and-so playing games on you. And I went, oh, that's nice to know. And uh, it wasn't listed in any of the, I have a book that has hotels, um, haunted hotels in California, actually all over the United States. Okay. And it wasn't listed. It was just one of these random things that happened. So random things happen to me all the time. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, uh, what is like your immediate family or, or your circle of friends? What, you know, what do they think? about all this well my oldest son doesn't want to have anything to do with it my youngest son he knows it exists but he really doesn't want anything to do with it right. um, they're adults my youngest son he is more curious about it and so he's tolerant and um, they both know it exists and they both know that it's a real thing but they don't really invite it into their homes into their life too much right my and then my circle of friends every once in a while they'll call me up and they'll go oh this is happening and let's go check this out and i go okay so we do little private things and right. just sort of fun stuff to do but nothing real serious yeah i think that's the coolest thing when when friends or family who know what you do call you or message you or what, or what have you and they're like hey i have this going on you know mm -hmm. and, they do that know. all the time right yeah they'll ask you to fix it and you can't really always fix it, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the funnier things is, is, uh, you know, I come from the, you know, from the Bigfoot world and that's where that beyond the wood line comes into play. Um, but yeah, I come from the Bigfoot world and I've had, you know, people that I, you know, that are close to me, you know, call me up and tell me, Hey, I've had this happen or when I was in the woods or, or they'll tell me stories about when they were growing up and Hey, you know what? A long time ago, 
when I was a kid, you know, we all, you know, a, a group of us, you know, seen this creature walking, you know. So I, I think it's I think it's pretty cool, you know. I, I think when you put yourself out there, you actually get a lot more positive responses than you do negative, you know. I think so. Yeah, and, and no one's really giving me any kind of negative response. I mean, you know, they might not uh, necessarily believe in what I am talking about, but they don't, you know, nobody really gives me a hard time other than just playful, you know, just give me a hard time. You know how guys are. Oh, that's but, uh, good. You know, you know my uh, parents, actually, yeah. when, when oh, they were, when I was a little girl, they had a, they would do, um, they had groups and they had friends and stuff that would do things. They were really curious. They went to seances and they go to things to find out about stuff and they were really curious. They had a friend, his name was Bill, and he got real involved in a Bigfoot group and this is in the, I mean, this is a long time ago. This is in the early 60s. And he brought a foot cast to our house. And oh, really? I remember him putting it, on the, putting it on the dining room table and said, what do you think about this? So I just was on this, and this is like a long time ago, you know, years and years ago. Wow. So, yeah, it was really fun to see that. And I can still remember taking my little hand and putting it on the the great big plaster cast and just sort of going wow, wow this is interesting yeah it was fun so that's and that's pretty cool that he had the wherewithal to say you know what i'm gonna cast this you know yeah but that was a you know? they were a little professional group of guys that were going out looking for big right you know and he actually got a cast of it and it wasn't a bear cast because i have bears here right. i remember what it looked like and i have bears around my house i've got a couple bears that come every year and i see their <laughs> footprints in the snow or in the mud and and a bear paw is totally different than a bear. Yeah, it just doesn't compare. It just doesn't compare. Mm -mm. There's no comparison yeah. at all. No. That was pretty good. Do you know where, where where he may have been or do you know him? He was going up not? into Oregon. Okay. Up hmm. somewhere up in Oregon. I don't remember because I was a little girl. I really don't remember. Right. I, just, was, I just remember him bringing that to the house and thinking that was really sort of fun. So what do you think? Where do you think that they come from? What do you think I, is my personal opinion is that they're they, that they are flesh and blood that they are just uh creatures natural to the earth you know i don't think they jump through the portals i don't think they interdimensional or they're supernatural although i do believe that does exist and that gets confused with the bigfoot that i'm looking for you know what i'm saying so i do yeah. think there are entities out there that look like bigfoot and can be mistaken for bigfoot so i you know and so I would never tell anyone, well, that's not what you saw. You didn't see it disappear. You didn't see it cloak or uh, I'm not from sure you're familiar with cloaking, but people say that they, they can cloak and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like the predator from the movie right. Predator, you know. Uh, so I, I'm not saying a person didn't see that or didn't experience it because I'm not going to call anyone a liar, especially when someone comes to you and they're pretty shaken up, you right. know. Uh, to tell someone, well, that's not what you saw, that's not what you experienced. I, you know, I would never say that to anybody. But uh, I think the Bigfoot that I'm looking for is a flesh and blood creature, and uh, I think sometimes stuff gets stuff gets you know lumped into one category, and everyone says this is what a Bigfoot is. They can mm -hmm. do all this. They have special abilities, and I don't, I don't, I don't think they do. And for that matter, I think a lot of paranormal stuff gets confused with Bigfoot. Uh, I, I, I think out in the woods, there's just plenty of paranormal stuff out in the woods. It's just there are anywhere else. You don't have to be inside of a building to have paranormal uh, no, you activity. Don't. You know, and I think stuff, sometimes stuff gets thrown, whether it's sticks or rocks or 
bangs or uh, hearing voices, I think some of that is paranormal, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that gets confused with paranormal. And I've, I've known people who have had recordings and have picked up voices, actual words, you know, uh, speech, you know, English or even Spanish or French, you know, and, you know, I, and they're like, you know, Bigfoot can speak these languages. And I'm like, that's, you probably picked up an EVP is what you probably picked mm -hmm. up, you know. Somebody else you speaking know. the language. It was just some old, some by somebody just used to hang around the woods. Right, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or yeah, you know, uh, miners, you know, I mean, settlements, you know, people have certainly come across, you know, remnants of settlements and uh, things like that. And, you know, back in those days, we know what went on and I'm sure some atrocities took place and, you know, jealousy and greed and envy right. and all kinds of stuff. So if someone found a nice little jackpot, somebody else probably wanted it, you know. And right. So, so I'm sure a lot of uh, bad stuff took place in the woods and there's probably a lot of bad energy for that matter, you know, out, out in the woods. But I think there's good energy too. And, you know, like I said, some of the rocks and sticks get thrown, I think, could be explained away. And, I had uh, a friend of mine who took me, he was an older man, and he took me for a drive and said, come on, let's go up into the mountains and go for a ride and he said that he had heard bigfoot scream when his wife was alive and they go camping way up in the woods here in northern california and he said it was unlike any kind of scream he'd ever heard before it wasn't human it wasn't a mountain lion it wasn't any kind of animal and he said they cut their little camping trip short and we were <laughs> talking about the viability of a bigfoot and he said i said have you ever seen one and he said, no, he said, but he said, take a look. And we're way out in the middle of nowhere on this fire road. And he said, do you see any animals out there right now? And there's all these trees on each side of the road. And I went, no, he goes, are there, are there any animals in those woods? And I went, yeah, of course there's, he goes, well, what kind? I went, well, squirrels and skunks and raccoons. And I started listing them. And he says, are you, what are they doing when they hear the truck? They run and hide, right? And I went, yeah. He goes, well, I think Bigfoot does the same thing. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, they're smart. Yeah. They they hide. And I went, okay. Right, yeah. Uh, even if they don't necessarily run, they're going to hide, you know? Yeah, they're going to hide. And I think most sightings are accidental. Uh-huh. Uh and I think the ones that are on purpose are probably, hey, I'm right here. You need to get out, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think some people get they're confused with the friendly forest people because they're not always aggressive. But, you know, you've probably seen bear walk up next to people and just keep on moving. That doesn't mean, hey, come follow me to the woods, you know. That's or, exactly right. Yeah. Or, 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 hey, pick up my cub, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I've seen people on, uh, like, even like on YouTube, I remember there was a couple guys that were fishing along a stream and these two, this bear comes walking with her bear cubs and she just walked right by them. I mean, she was a big brown bear, you know, and Mm -hmm. And you know that wasn't an invitation to come follow me. You know, no, uh, so it's like you know. I'm just walking by. Yeah, just leave me alone. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, and I think, uh, you know, you have uh, aggressive behavior for various reasons. Everything from territorial to, you know, one might be hungry, might one might be uh, hurt, injured. You know, um, you may have interrupted their hunt. You know, and mm -hmm. so, you know, I think there's a, there's a, a bunch of variables on why they may be aggressive, but I, was, I just don't think they're just naturally aggressive, even though there probably are some that are just naturally aggressive because that's in every species of animal, you know, I, yeah. I think we're probably, we're probably the perfect example of that, you know. Well, um, pretty aggressive 
human beings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, animals know to avoid us at all costs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. I know. That's yeah. So, uh, so what do you have coming up for yourself? Uh, I know you were, uh, you were having some issues up there with uh, the fires and stuff, but are you planning anything for your other book or your well, next book? Actually, I'm working on, uh, I've had a lot of people ask me for a book about what happened to my characters in the fifth, in the 1600s. They just sort of, you know, so I've been working on that one and there's sort of an underlining theme to the story is that if you don't pay attention and you let yourself get carried away by uh, alcohol or drugs or um, anything and you're not present, then you're going to end up like overly doing alcohol and drugs. I drink wine. I'm not, I'm not against that. It's just, if you're oh, okay. not conscious of it, you know, when you're overly invested in following your own path and you're not paying attention how it affects other people in your life and bad things happen. Right. And yeah. so, um, so that's sort of an underlining theme. And the, in the first part of the book, the girl sort of lost it because she was brokenhearted. And the second part of the book, she sort of lost it again because she had issues. And so finally, in the third part of the book, she pulls it together. So <laughs> the story is, is what happened to the what happened to the characters at the end of the 1600s. So that I'm working on that. And then I'm okay. going to have a book, a book signing. COVID has probably has made a huge impact in actually marketing my book mm -hmm. and getting out there and doing book signings and meeting people and doing things. So I'm glad that we have the vaccine and we're able to get out and move around a little bit more. And so we're able to actually do a book signing. I've got that yeah. coming up on August 15th in Virginia City and then I'm going to be planning another one down in Southern California. Okay. So that's you know, what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, you know, one thing I've uh, I've heard from a few other authors is that when they write stuff like this, especially like from the paranormal stuff, that they can have activity kind of I guess uh invoke it. I don't know if that's the right word for it or but did you have anything strange happen while you were writing your books? Just the just when the book fell off and I, and it sort of changed the course of the book um, when the okay. book fell off the shelf, that incident yeah. changed the course of it. So that was and then I and then the fact that I had done the characters five years before I knew they were real people. <laughs> I mean, these are these are real people that I'm writing about that actually right. lived and uh, you know there was a real bad guy. He was a prosecutor and he burnt this gal at the stake and. They were real people, and so uh, to have to find a book like that that actually uh, stated that, and it's right there in the textbook, so you know it's right. not somebody's rambling. That right. it was pretty real. So those things yeah. happen. I uh, I realize that this book came to be because somebody whispered in my ear, and that's what happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it, it was kind of like you know this is direction you needed to go with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you need to make yeah, it a little bigger. It's got to be a little right. bit bigger. You're on the right track, but let's make yeah. it a little bigger. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. So, well, I enjoy your show, and I love being on it. It's really super kind of you to invite me, and yeah, and, no uh, I hope Shannon is all right with her storms and everything that's going on. Yeah, she just texted me right now, told me she wasn't able to get back on. She's been trying to get back on on her laptop and her phone, and she can't get back on. So, well, so. tell her I said, be careful and take care. 
Yeah, sure will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, do you have anything else you want to add or say, or do you have any advice for anyone? You know, as far as like uh, when it comes to paranormal stuff, you know. I think just being aware and being present. Uh, it's great to be curious. Don't get so caught up in it that it takes over your life. You know, mm-hmm. and, and really take care of. Listen to them. Okay. If they tell you something's happening, pay attention because it probably is. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about for writers? Do you have any advice for those uh, people who might want to write a book? You know, how could someone like me, who probably never even wrote a book, well, not probably, but never wrote a book, uh, what kind of advice would you give someone like uh, if I wanted to put my stories in on 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 paper? I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of help out there for people who want to write their stories and keep it keep it short when you first start. And just start writing because you'd be surprised that you have the ability to write. Most people do. And go take some classes if you can. They're not, it's not expensive. Go to community college and take some classes, a memoir class or take a class in um, fiction writing. And and then just sort of follow your heart. And if you really want to write your book, then write a book. And there's a lot of help out there for people who want to write. Yeah, you know what? That's that's really good advice too. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah. take advantage of it because there's a lot of help right now. You can do that. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Well, you know what? Yeah, this is kind of short because you're kind of breaking up too, and I already lost Shannon. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody in the chat room, thanks a lot for uh, participating. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah, Michelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, go to Amazon and uh, yeah, go to Amazon and find Michelle's books. Yeah, it's on. Uh, I made it. The ebook is really inexpensive because I wanted people to be able to read it and enjoy it, and so okay. it's not an expensive book. So the hardbound or the softbound book is a little bit more, but the ebook is almost free. So just go check it out. <laughs> cool. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Michelle, right. for joining the show. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care of yourself. Okay. Bye. You too, ma'am. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, and that's it for Michelle. She's gone, so Shannon left me, and she can't log back on, so I'm going to go ahead and end it right here. So, uh, like I said, everyone, thanks again for joining in and chiming in. Jessica, I appreciate you. Thank you for uh, listening. And everyone else, you guys have a good night and rest of your day, and uh, you guys be safe and take care of each other, all right?